Welcome to another episode of Try iPod, the MD PhD admissions podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Fulford, and I'm here with Dr. David Kaufman. Welcome. Hi, thank you. So our first question as always is what do you do and why? So I work at Merck Research Laboratories, and my role there is to lead translational research for Merck's oncology programs. Mm-hmm. And Merck, um, Merck's oncology efforts are largely around a field called immuno-oncology, which is um, involved with getting the immune system to fight cancer. Okay. And this is a really fascinating um, area right now. First of all, because for many years, people didn't think that the immune system could fight cancer. Um, and so the, the, this whole concept was out of favor for a long time. Uh, but secondly, uh, because now there are a class of drugs um, that are really changing the face of cancer treatment um, by utilizing the immune system in this way. Great. So uh, to take it back to your own experience as an MD-PhD student, what experiences did you bring with you as a first year as an applicant? So did you feel like prepared or you know, what did you expect versus the reality? So I think academically, um, I, came, I came very prepared. I came from a small liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, I had spent summers in high school and in college working in laboratories, so I was very comfortable with the laboratory component. One of the hardest transitions, I think, for me, the, the, the curriculum of Cornell Medical School for the first two years was almost entirely lecture-based. And coming from a small seminar-based, small liberal arts college into that kind of a lecture-based environment was actually a relatively big shock to the system. And so I had to kind of get used to uh, a less interactive style of learning, which took a little bit of work. Um, but then when I got into the laboratory portion of the, of the program, it was quite, quite familiar and comfortable. Great. Um, so how did you deal with the various transitions between institutions, like from the medical school to the lab and back again? So I was actually very, very eager to get hands-on experience. Um, my undergraduate research had actually been all in oncology, but I had gotten very interested in more global health-focused research late in my undergraduate career and um, had also become very interested in HIV. And I really wanted to start interacting with HIV patients, particularly in underserved clinics, Mm -hmm. uh, underserved communities. And so one of the things I did as a graduate student throughout my research years was to to find a clinic where I could volunteer. And so I spent an afternoon a week through most of my my PhD years volunteering at a clinic on the Lower East Side. Um, And I felt like that was a very helpful way of maintaining uh, some uh, continuity with the patients that I hope that my research would would ultimately benefit. Especially through those transitions, or in your case, um, working both at these clinics and uh, in the these learning setting of the MD PhD program, um, how did you feel supported by the tri institutional program through this whole process? So I joined the tri institutional program. I think relatively early um, in its in its existence. Maybe not that early. Um, I would say that I probably would have benefited from having a mentor in the program outside of my lab mentor. Um, that's not a component of the program that existed at the time. I don't know if it exists now. But um, I, again, I came actually with a very strong interest in, in working in, in a lab that had some sort of international health focus. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of a, an orientation, um, sometimes you're missing out on thinking about, thinking through carefully all the key factors that you really want in a PhD experience, and probably the most important factor is really mentorship, regardless of the the academic focus. Um, so it did take me a while to actually finally settle down and find the lab where I ended up doing my, my PhD work. And I think having had someone aside from the mentors in the labs to talk to 
uh, on a more regular basis would have been would have been a really helpful aspect of the program. Mm-hmm. So what would you then see as the ideal sort of mentor-mentee experience if you had had it? So I think that you would want to bring in individuals who had really successfully mentored um, a number of MD-PhDs into, into successful careers. Um, so they had a proven, proven track record of doing this right and, um, and, and enlisted them to help students who are choosing between perhaps a wide variety of labs, some of whom are headed by folks with less experience mentoring. And I think I would have benefited personally from somebody who could have brought that perspective in terms of helping me figure out what to look for in a lab, how to evaluate you know, before entering a lab a few months in, um, whether it was a good fit or not, and whether it was worth the commitment to, to, um, to stay in that lab and do a PhD versus moving on and, and trying another rotation. Mm-hmm. So it, if you prefer, if for example, you were that mentor, are, do you have any like of the, the sort of short list of things that you would have looked for? Yeah, so I think that the key aspect is probably not the technical discipline, the scientific area of inquiry, but really whether the person who's running the laboratory is somebody who really cares about mentorship and knows how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, caring means um, uh, trying to find a project that is going to allow the the, the individual student to um, take on increasing levels of responsibility, mm-hmm. to ultimately be able to publish and have authorship in a way that's going to be helpful for that person's career, um, to potentially take an interest beyond just academic issues, but but to actually be to have to make a personal connection mm-hmm. with the student. So those would probably be some of the main things that that I would put out there. If you could do it all over again, like let's say you know you're imagining yourself as an applicant or a first year. What would you tell yourself to someone in that position now? That's a really good question. Um, looking back, one of the decisions that I had to make was whether to take any time off between undergrad mm-hmm. and doing an MD-PhD program. And I ultimately came straight from undergrad. I also, because of all the pre-med requirements and all the research that I was doing, didn't take time off as an undergrad to study abroad or do anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, it was actually, I think, for me... Um, not necessarily the right choice to go straight into an MD-PhD program. It was a lot of academic time. And as I already mentioned, I really had craved some more real-world experiences. That's why I sought out clinical experiences during my, um, during my research years. And ultimately, um, again, at the time, the Cornell program was structured so that um, during the fourth year of medical school, there was a significant amount of elective time. I spent most of the fourth year uh, either overseas and in, in working in Africa on HIV, or um, working in Boston with a nonprofit, um, and it wasn't honestly until I got that real-world experience that I really felt like I had um, a little bit more balance of academia versus other uh, types of pursuits in my in my professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that it's a long program. Um, your experience may vary, but it can be it can be quite long. And there's this, I, I'm sure many people people feel the urge to get going sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, th- I would recommend for for undergrads to really carefully consider, um, you know, whether they really are ready to have um, five or six or seven or eight more years of uh, uninterrupted schooling, as opposed to uh, making sure that they have other life experiences uh, in the mix. So, how did those uh, experiences in Africa and Boston give you perspective on the training you had? Well, I'll tell you, you know, a lot of the success of my job right now is dependent on um, building organizational structure. Mm. So 
I've been built, you know, Merck actually didn't have a formal research structure around translational research in immuno-oncology before I started building that. And a lot of also, a lot of, also a lot of my success is around um, interacting with people, um, both internally, where a lot of the things that I get done are by influence management, and externally, where I spend a large portion of my time building relationships with academics, with nonprofits, with other companies. And those are all skills that, when you're out in the real world, um, you you get to develop those skills and you get to see that you have those skills whereas when you're in the lab when you're in a in, in classes um, you really don't get to see that when you get to the clinical portion of your training um, I think you then really get an opportunity to, to sort of exercise those, those traits in your personality and mm -hmm. get to stretch and develop um, that way um, but but certainly when I worked overseas I was working with the CDC and with a nonprofit in Africa and there was a lot of opportunity to do that kind of work one of the things I had to do actually was to put together an advertising campaign for to recruit patients for an HIV trial mm -hmm. in Africa where I knew nothing about the local culture and I had to work with somebody who was who was local luckily uh, I had him to work with um, but again it was all about navigating the local culture and the local political structure mm -hmm. those are the kinds of skills that may seem very different than the skills you need to succeed in a large corporation but they're actually not um, and so Again, those types of real-world experiences, I think, are directly um, impactful on uh, you know a clinician-scientist type of career. Can you speak a little bit more as to the role of, of your sort of clinician-scientist perspective in a corporate setting? Because I find that of the alumni that we've talked to who aren't strictly in academia now, they've still kind of found that's a similar balance between like the research and the clinical. Yes. Mindset. Yeah, so I think one of the reasons why I've had such a great experience working at Merck is because I joined um, the clinical organization, but I'm one of the few people in clinical oncology who really, I think, under understands um, and has been trained in basic immunology. And so it's been very, very easy for me to interact and form strong relationships with people in the discovery part of the organization, genomics, computational biology. Um, and, and, and so when it came time to to build a translational research role at Merck, a formal role for somebody, um, I, you know, I think people thought that I was a, a reasonable fit because I had those relationships and I had that ability to reach out across from the clinical side to to the preclinical and the, and the discovery organization. Mm -hmm. um, and I, again, uh, it, it, this is, I think, the, exactly the kinds of the kind of role that that the MD PhD program trains people for is to sit at the interface of clinical and discovery work and really help to parse emerging biological data and understand its implications for therapy. And that's really our job, um, is to essentially help um, Merck understand why our immunotherapy drugs are working or aren't working in certain patients. And based on our emerging understand understanding of those resistance mechanisms, um, figure out how to better target our drug or combine it with other drugs. Um, and so, um, you know, I think I do owe a lot to my MD-PhD training in terms of being able to do that in a in a in a in a successful way. Great. Um, was there anything else you'd like to bring up before we close out? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, and uh, is there anything that you like anywhere that people can find you online or Merck or something like that? Uh, sure. You can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest mm -hmm. way. It's David R. Kaufman at Merck, and um, 
you're also welcome to email me. It's david.kaufman, one F and one N, mm-hmm. at merck.com. Great. Uh, we have actually have had other people on the podcast say that, you know, prospective MD-PhDs have emailed them all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about uh, their interests. So um, you might expect something like that. Um, but again, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you very much for having me.